This is Chelsea Wingo. And I'm Amy Covell. And this is our podcast, Hashtag Life Goals. Because of the program, I never had to look for work. For me, some of my favorite memories are actually some of the worst horror stories. Each week, we examine one of our life goals and figure out what steps we need to take to make them a reality. Your whole job is to make everything come together so that all the director has to do is say action, basically. (laughs) You can't do your film alone. So come join us. It's going to be fun. Chelsea Wingo. And I'm Amy Covell. And this is Hashtag Hashtag Life Goals. This week we're doing Hashtag Career Milestone number two, the Amy edition. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's been a few months since we did Chelsea's first career milestone, which was selling a feature script. Mm -hmm. And I had my teacher at the time, Tilmaba, on, who was an amazing screenwriter and producer, and it was so great to have him on. So now it's Amy's turn for her profession. And Amy, what is that profession, even though you've talked about it a bunch of times already? (laughs) Um, So I'm an AD, an assistant director, and my first career milestone is to get into the DGA, the Directors Guild of America, which is the union for my position. So we, you know, we have discussed on the show that I applied to the training program. Mm-hmm. The training program is kind of a fast track to getting into the union because they make it much easier for you to get your 400 union days um, or 520 non-union days to get into the union. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not get in this year, so I will be applying again next year. So I need 120 days mm-hmm. to apply for third area. Okay. And I've had another AD from the DGA recommend that I go for third area. I have 122 days, mm-hmm. but he said, assume that they're going to throw out 30% of the days I turn in. Okay. So he says probably to get another 40 days. Mm-hmm. So he said about this time next year, if you're not in the training program, you should have enough days to apply to be third area. Nice. So third area is anywhere that is not Los Angeles or the five boroughs in New York. Mm -hmm. So it means that when I get into third area, I will have to be traveling for work for the next couple of years, but that will make it easier for me to gain the days I need to move up into first area. Mm-hmm. And I will be making more money and I will already be in the union. <laughs> so those are all positive things. They're all positive things and they're all things in the future. And then, but then you traveling, then how are we going to do this podcast? Then we're going to have to be like all those other <laughs> ones that do it via <laughs> Skype. <laughs> all right. Well, that's for the future. So I let's know. not think about it then. So how about before we get into it? Very quick recap. How are you doing? How is things going on? I'm really, really busy. Mm-hmm. As everybody knows, my yes. parents are in town. Mm-hmm. And so we've been going to Disneyland. We went to Universal. Uh, we've been having dinner parties. Mm-hmm. Um So it's just, there's different stuff going on every day and my parents are on vacation. I'm not on vacation. So (laughs) I still have work every day. Uh, So it's like, you know, start the day with like errands, you know, with my parents and then go to work for a few hours and then end the day with like an activity. It's a lot going on. But another thing going on is, um, everybody please excuse if, um, our audio is a little funky. Yes. Chelsea and I are on our own. Marcus and Nico have moved to Chicago. We're <laughs> very sad about it. <laughs> and, um, and we still are looking for a new producer. So mm-hmm. 
Um, so yeah, so we are recording on our own. So please forgive us. I have not done audio work since college and, um, I'm lucky that I have lots of friends I can borrow stuff from, but it's still uh, a bit of a mishmash. Yeah. So thank you everybody that helped us with the equipment that we have for today because we're going to be here a while, but that's for other episodes for later on. (laughs) Yes. Yes, exactly. So yes, you got a lot going on, Amy. What about in your world, Chelsea? Well, as Amy already knows, I recently moved to a new apartment, which is where we're recording right now. So I was moving all week, which was so fun. (laughs) But anyways, I was moving all week and, um, uh, the last uh, month or so, I will say, I felt very creatively like drained and not inspired. So I'm this week has been more of me trying to, okay, I need to push all this aside and try to focus more on my writing or some projects that I'm working on and applying that kind of stuff. So this week, I'm really trying to focus on finding that creative energy again to get back into stuff that I love because I felt like because of the whole moving and then in between job stuff and other stresses that I won't get into because it's just too much. It's, yeah. It's drained me creatively and I need to focus on me and get back on that horse. So. I'm not drained creatively. I'm drained time-wise. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, my mom asked, she's like, oh, when are you going to clean up your desk? And I was like, that was the one thing I didn't get to before you got here. And <laughs> I don't know, when am I, mom? Have I had free time since you got here? I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> and then my dad is, oh, when are you going to go see, you know, your man? And I'm like, when? I don't, are there more hours in the day than I'm aware of? <laughs> that does happen when you have so much and you're trying to get everything done. The time can just like slip away. Yeah. Yeah. So let's dive into the research. So, since I know little to none about assistant directing, and this is your main area, you did all the research for this. I did. I did. And I just now realized that there was something I was going to research that I didn't do. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the research I forgot to do okay. was to look up the exact like definition of what each of the different assistant director roles does because not everyone in our audience is going to be familiar with what an AD does. Mm -hmm. So a first AD tracks the daily progress of the filming production schedule. They arrange logistics, they prepare daily call sheets, they check the cast and crew Mm -hmm. and maintain order on set. But then that goes down into multiple roles. So that's what an AD does kind of in general. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the first AD has the overall AD responsibilities and supervises the second AD. The first is directly responsible to the director and runs the floor or set. Mm -hmm. The first AD and the unit production manager are the two of the highest below the line technical roles in filmmaking. Above the line would be people like the director, the producers. Those are be above the line. Their responsibility is to keep the production on schedule throughout the day communicate to the entire crew and to maintain the safety and security of the staff and the shot itself. Yep. They must be very good at estimating how long a scene will take because they're really about keeping everything on time. So we get everything shot. Mm-hmm. So second AD is usually more of in the production office and they are prepping all of the call sheets. They are doing the production reports, printing sides, Then you would have the second, second AD. Mm -hmm. They are usually in charge of the extras. So they would do the extras paperwork. And then if extras are in a scene, so say we're doing a zombie scene, 
And this this was the one this was the one film where I had a second second was okay. we were doing a zombie mm-hmm. movie. Okay. And um the second second would have all the extras off to the side and then he would, you know, have them ready for the first AD to place them in the scene. Mm. And so he would be the one like taking them to and forth from set to holding or wherever, making sure that they filled out their time cards and making sure all their paperwork is filled out. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is just a really random question. So first, second, second, second. Is right. there a reason why it's not third AD? Is it like bad luck or? I have no idea. Okay. Yeah. I no was idea. I wondering if it's because like associated with No idea. And something. the thing is, is like, all right, so that's three roles, but mm-hmm. you could have a whole bunch of people filling in second and second, second. So like when I shot on SWAT for that one day where I was Mm -hmm. um, a PA, they had a team of like 10 ADs. Oh. Yeah. It gets even more confusing to me. Mm -hmm. It's because yes, they're all named the same thing too. And like you said, we don't go to one, two, three. We go to first, second, Second, second. second. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, maybe maybe our guests will be able to fill us in on some of that. So then some of the statistics I pulled up were more of the statistics of why join a union. My goal is to get into the union. And I have mentioned some of the reasons that that is a goal is, you know, I will make more money. I will have access to better film work because like all the studios, those are going to be union shoots. Mm-hmm. So I can't really get in there unless I'm in a union, like TV shows, same thing. Um, So I decided to pull up statistics on unions in general, not on the DGA, but on unions in general. So these statistics I got from Mm bankrate.com and it was the pros and cons of union jobs. So some of the pros of joining a union is better wages. So the median weekly income of a full-time wage and salary worker who is a union member in 2010 was $917. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's going to vary greatly on either side of the spectrum because every union's different, every job is different, but they found that union workers were making on average $917 a week and non-union workers were making $717. Okay. So that's more than a 25% increase in pay for people who are in a union. To kind of put it in perspective, for me on my non-union work, I make between $185 and $300 a day. Mm-hmm. Whereas for once I get into the DGA at the lowest theatrical level, that would be $368 a day. And it goes in upwards of $1,900 a day if you're filming on location and if you're a first AD and if you're on a higher budget film, if you don't work in the film industry, these daily rates might sound astronomical. And you'd be like, well, why doesn't everybody want to work in film? Cause if you're going to make two grand in a day, um, <laughs> it's not astronomical because no. our work comes and goes. Yeah. So we can be on a show for three weeks and then not work for three months. Yeah. It's really, it's really freelance is what it is. It, yeah, it really is. And so that's, you know, one of the reasons that you get those higher day rates is because it's got to make up for all the time that you spend in between gigs. Yes. So that way you can still be dedicated to this position. Mm-hmm. Um, also the fact that, you know, normal workers work eight hours yeah. On a film set, mm-hmm. most people work 12 hours. ADs usually work 14 to 16 hours. Yes. So especially yes. when I'm a second AD, I'm a 16-hour-a-day 
almost always. Yes, yeah, so our guest is shaking her head or everything. Like, like, yeah, uh-huh. uh-huh. And this is back to back to back to back. So most yep. people, they were like, oh, I had to work a double today. And that might mean they had to work 12 hours, maybe 16. But then usually they're off for a couple of days, mm-hmm. you know, or think about doctors and nurses. They will work, you know, long shifts, but then they, they'll offer a long period of time or they'll work four days on, three days mm-hmm. off. It's not like that in film. We'll shoot five to six days a week at yeah. 16 hours a day yeah, yeah, for three weeks in a row <laughs> or longer. Yeah. So that is the reason for those higher day rates yeah. um, is there's a lot that goes into yeah. it. And those people that are crazy enough to love that rush, go for it. I mean, I remember we were talking about it in earlier episodes a long back, while back when we were waiting for the film industry to wake up. Yes, because it had been like, very quiet yeah, we were this like, winter. I want this to happen. I miss it. As crazy and as hard and as painful as it is sometimes, I miss it. And I enjoy those moments. Right? <laughs> I feel like I learn a lot when those moments happen. Another pro to being in a union is you have more access to benefits. So some 93% of unionized workers are entitled to medical benefits versus mm-hmm. 69% of non-union. Mm-hmm. For me, the benefit, I mean, it's not just about having like medical benefits, but for me, the huge benefit of being in the union is I will definitely be working jobs that are going through a payroll company. So then I will earn unemployment when I'm in between gigs because oh. the non-union work, especially in the indie world and on small, low budget stuff, a lot of times they don't go through a payroll company. And if it doesn't go through a payroll company, and if you're a actual independent contractor, 1099 worker, you don't get unemployment. Mm-hmm. And so then when you're in between jobs, you have to fill in like with my side hustles. Yeah, yeah. So once I'm working on union jobs, I will be guaranteed to be earning unemployment. Also, there are improved coverage options, usually for unmarried, domestic partners, same sex and opposite sex. There's higher percentage of health insurance premiums paid by the employer, and 93% of unionized workers have access to retirement benefits versus 64% of their non-union counterparts. I have not started saving for retirement. (laughs) Uh, The last time I moved cross-country, I had to drain my retirement account um, to cover bills for a few months, and uh, yeah, uh, I'm too hand-to-mouth right now. I, I can't save anything for anything. Like I got to be able to put money in savings first before I can start then shoving it away into a retirement account. So those are some of the benefits. Also collective bargaining. So collective bargaining is that idea that your union fights for you and for what is right for you. Like you hear about like the writer strikes, Mm -hmm. um, those, their unions are trying to get better agreements for their employees. And so as a group, you can get more accomplished than as a single individual. Mm. Now that leads us to the cons. That loss of autonomy is also kind of a con, mm-hmm. you know? So if your union says, this is the way we're going to do it, or this is what we're going to support, that's what you have to do because you are part of that union. Mm-hmm. They speak for all of you just like, so you have to go along with the group. So you lose a little bit of that autonomy. Mm-hmm. Um, you will have dues and fees to pay. Um, the, some of the statistics on that were very off compared to what I'm going to have to pay. Mm-hmm. So, um, I remember when I was looking at it for signing up for my union, it was like 
X amount of dollars or two weeks salary. And I was like, well, if I'm getting paid union rates, I don't mind giving two weeks salary because one week salary I can live <laughs> off of for the month. <laughs> so like if you looked at it just as money, it was like, whoa, that's a lot of money. But compared to what I'm doing right now, it's not. Um, and then other cons are rules of employment. So for example, once I go union, I can't work non-union jobs. Oh boy, then I won't be able to have you on my projects anymore then. <laughs> so we got to make this other project happen fast. That's right. That's right. We need to shoot Broken Beautiful before next year. You, you, gosh darn it. <laughs> so everybody hashtag Broken Beautiful. Tell Chelsea that we need to hurry up and do it. Um, the next is a couple statistics just about the DGA. Uh-huh. So there are only approximately 17,500 members in the DGA, mm-hmm. but that's not just ADs. So that's first ADs, second ADs, second seconds, directors, unit production managers, and then all of those same positions for commercials because they have a separate portion of the DGA. So there's actually not that many of us. Mm -hmm. So I'm saying us because I am going to be in the DGA. It is just a matter of when. Yeah. (laughs) She's made it a goal. She's making it happen. I'm manifesting. Positive (laughs) affirmation all around. And then the last statistic is, so the DGA training program, which I've applied to for the last two years, they get over a thousand applicants a year and they only take 20 to 40 people. So it's very competitive. And part of the reason is, you know, their whole application process is about weeding people out. Mm. Like a lot of people think they'll make good ADs, but they're not cut out for it. That's why it is very much an exclusive club. And that if you are a union AD, you have passed these, not, not just, you know, physical tests, but like just past showing that you have the metal to do this mm-hmm. and that you can be trusted with these million billion dollar film budget budgeted movies and that you're going to make sure that every, you'll do everything in your power to make sure it is shot and completed on time as much as you can do during production. Just like you said, it's a matter of time. Okay. Well, that's what I have for research. I feel like it's expanding, but I still have a lot more questions because even though I am a writer, director myself, all I've known is, you know, working on my own projects and kind of working on other people's projects, you know, on the lower scale. And you can only, you know, imagine what it's like to do these like million dollar budget or billion dollar budget movies and how it's like and everything. So it probably will sink in more when I listen to it and just do one action rather than multiple things at once. True. Yeah. (laughs) But yes, I am learning a lot, but I definitely have a lot more questions. Well, without further ado, we will bring on our guest. Yes, we shall. All right, Amy. So do you want to introduce her to us? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Today we have brought on Marty Elkan. Hello, Marie. How are you? Doing very well. Good, good. (laughs) Appreciate you dealing with our frazzledness and everything that's going on and for taking time out of your day to come over. Really appreciate that. Happy to be here. Thanks. Awesome. All right, so real quick question. How did Amy get in touch with you? That's what I'm curious about. I'm in a group called Alliance of Women Directors, and one of our members, one of our director members, knew that Amy was applying for the assistant director's training program, and I had been through the program, and 
she connected the two of us. And oh. you're just now meeting in person for the first time. Oh, yes. Yeah. This, is, this is the thing. I thought you guys had met beforehand. I did not realize that you're just meeting for the first this time This is the today. second time I have brought on a guest that I had never met in That person. is true, yeah, because for Hashtag Sober, Sabrina. I had just met you online. You just met online and then brought her on. Yeah, so Marty was, Marty is a first AD in the industry, and mm-hmm. she was kind enough to talk with me before I went in for my assessment exercises and interviews oh, for nice. the DGA training program. Mm-hmm. So um, this is my second year applying, and I did the same thing last year. I got put in touch with another union AD, mm-hmm. and I got to ask her all of my questions. Um, she had worked on SWAT with um, the Arefi kids' um, mm-hmm. dad, yeah. and... You know, and that really just kind of helped calm a lot of like my, you know, anxieties going Mm -hmm. into the whole thing. Yeah. And so then this year it's like, well, I want to call her again because she's already given me all of her advice. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I need a new perspective. (laughs) And in walks Marty. And she spent like an hour talking to me on the phone, (laughs) answering all of my questions. And then um, we touched base after I did my assessment as well. Mm -hmm. And um, then I talked to her about the podcast and I asked her if she'd be willing to come on and talk about um, joining the union. So mind sharing a little bit about your career? I went through the training program in the 80s. So I joined the Director's Guild in 85. So I've worked on things... Before y'all were born. <laughs> okay, so depressing. Oh, it's um, so no, depressing. I on things like Driving Miss Daisy and Steel Magnolias Ooh. and Six Feet Under and Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. And uh, I did Inherit the Wind with George C. Scott and Jack Lemon. And um, uh, a lot of fun, fun projects. Uh, real, uh, Three O'Clock High. Um, mm-hmm. uh, some really amazing projects. And I... M- for a while, I mostly did features and mm-hmm. TV movies, and then um, as so many of those started going to other states with the tax incentives, um, did some more TV, you know, did mm-hmm. like a show for ABC, Recovery Road, and um, well, last year I did the Nancy Drew uh, hidden Staircase movie down in Atlanta. Oh, nice. So it's it's been a fun career. It's been a lot of fun. Wow, and that's amazing so cool. stories, which was fabulous. I got I to can... work on an episode with two episodes with Steven Spielberg, an episode with Clint Eastwood, an episode with Martin Scorsese. Uh, you know, wow. really fun people. So I've had a good time. Holy moly. <laughs> Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Sorry, he's one of my favorite like director producers. Definitely an icon. Yes, he definitely is. And then Amy, where are you exactly on your journey for DGA? I know you've you've talked a little bit about how you applied for yeah. it and you didn't get in, but where do you think you are? Where do I think I am? Ooh, I don't know. Um, I mean, I just want to keep doing this thing like every single shoot I enjoy ADing so much Mm -hmm. and I mean I'm a really good second AD but I love first ADing so that is still the career path I want to take and you started as a second AD once you got in the union right yeah once I got in the union a yeah. second, second, and then a second. A, a second, second, yes. <laughs> and then a key second. In fact, I think I was only a second, second on one show and then got moved up to key. So that's really unusual, very unusual. Mm-hmm. And then um, I was only a second AD for five years before I got to first AD, and that also is kind of unusual. It's Yeah, that was a pretty fast track. Yeah. 
you know, I'm hoping just because of where a lot of my credits fall that I will be able to also kind of move quickly up through it because I mostly work as a first AD. Mm -hmm. So I've second AD'd more in the last year than ever before. Like, I don't know if, I think maybe just a handful of times Mm -hmm. and I've never second seconded. (laughs) So I don't know if I would know what to do (laughs) as a second second. I think I would only do okay at it because I produce so much and line produce so much that the paperwork part of it would be a breeze. Yeah. Because you are used to taking on so many different roles from technically so many different jobs when you're on these different gigs or film sets that you're on. So you're already taking a lot. You take a lot on yourself, girl. You really do. (laughs) I have always been this way. So I think I was born to AD. I was ingrained with all of this like go, go, go Go, attitude and like the super long days. And uh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I will have to say though, um, Marty had asked us, you know, hey, can you give me an idea of the questions you're going to ask? Yes. And so we sent her the questions and, um, you know, we don't usually send our guests questions, but I was like, Chelsea, she's an AD. She wants to be prepared. Yes. And Marty shows up in true AD fashion with yes. typed out notes. Yes, it's right in front of us. It's amazing. So that way she can make sure that she hits all the points that she wants to hit. Yes, exactly. But I want to hit all the points you want me to hit. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll hopefully kind of maybe as said on the set, stick to the script, but there, if there's some impromptu here and there, we'll just go with we'll it and see what happens. Take, yeah, we'll, we'll do an extra take. We'll right? See She's going to AD us right through this episode. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> here, let me tell you what I want to talk about. Okay, okay go ahead. <laughs> We've got five minutes. <laughs> First question, how did you pick this as your career? How did you know this is what you wanted? Well, it's funny because I didn't. I grew up in Lynchburg, Virginia. There aren't many movies made there, I'm just saying. <laughs> he was making a face. I, I was doing a lot of acting. I grew up in theater. Oh. But, you know, there's a lot of competition in that field also yeah. in Lynchburg, Virginia. Uh, <laughs> and so I had decided that I was going to go into still photography for a living and I found a foreign study program and I was going to go to Austria for a year and study nothing but still photography and prep the whole, I was going to University of Virginia and I took all these classes that would prepare me for that and uh, at the, uh, a month before I was supposed to go to Austria, they canceled the program. Oh. I didn't know what I was going to do because I'd already dropped out of UVA, I was going to be in Austria. Didn't know what I was going to do. And mm-hmm. a month later, I'm not kidding, divine intervention, um, Universal Studios came to the town where I was working. I was working at King's Dominion, which is like a Six Flags over Georgia kind of, right. you know, Six yeah. Flags thing. And I was working in the stage shows there. And uh, they started shooting this movie there. And I heard about the assistant director's training program. And I always scored in the 99 percentile on the SAT test, and you had to take a test to get in. And went, oh, that's my way in. And I worked on this movie for like $2 an hour. And I was working with a casting assistant, and then at night I'd be working as a production assistant on the set. I mean, I was getting no sleep. I didn't care. You're right. Didn't care. And I went, this is what I want to do. Oh, my God. And I saved up money. What a joke. I saved up money. I had like $1,000 to move to L.A., which lasted about a week. <laughs> yep. to- even even in the 80s, that only yeah. lasted about a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes then, sense. Oh, my God. My apartment, I had, I literally had a, a, an apartment for $119 a month. 
utilities included and furnished and all the roaches you could eat. It was so bad. So I they got out here and I and I realized I, I I wanted to apply for the program, but you had to have a college degree to take the test. And I didn't have my college degree. I was I dropped out of UVA. So I had to establish residency for a year and then I um I went to UCLA film school for a couple of years and then graduated and then there was a Screen Actors Guild strike and they didn't offer the program that year. Oh. So after several years, and I, went, I took the test twice before I got in mm-hmm. and, uh, and they do like for you to keep applying to show that you're really interested, so don't let that discourage you. Uh, <laughs> but I finally got in and, and I think at the time they said it was 12 to 1500 applicants or something and they yeah. chose 12. So I was really lucky. Yeah, it, was very, it all worked out. Yeah, because now they have two training programs. They have one in New York and one in L.A. Mm-hmm. So I so I think the numbers are about that 20 to 40. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely, it was um, interesting because after I applied this year and went through the whole process after I didn't get in, someone found our podcast, um, I think our Instagram, or okay. it was found me on social media through the podcast and was like, I think I was sitting next to you at the DGA um, <laughs> assessment. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he was, because I had posted a picture before we went in and said, you know, because I already talked about it on the show, I said, yeah. getting ready to go in I and do my DGA photo, assessment. Yeah. And he's like, I don't think you can do that. I'm like, mm, no, I read everything front to back. There's nothing that says I can't do that. Now I can't post about everything we did in there, but yeah. about, you were just walking in. That's all you were doing. But he is, I, he was, I think coming right out of college and he's like, that was not what I expected. And it seemed like he just kind of wanted to like commiserate, you know, mm-hmm. about like not getting in and stuff. And I didn't really feed into it too much because yeah. I was disappointed I didn't get in, but I still want to do this and I still want to get in. Exactly. <laughs> oh, as I was walking in the first time to apply for the, uh, the to take the test, the original test to, right. to get in, uh, I was, you know, all these people were coming from the parking lot and everybody was saying, yeah, I've taken the test twice. Oh, yeah, I, I passed the test last year. And it was like one after another after another. I'm going, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's going to be hard. It definitely helped knowing when I went in the first year that you usually don't get in the first year. So I was mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. And then this year what helped is I had met um, I've met two women who said that the second year they didn't get as far in the process as they did the first year. So this year I was like, Hey, I at least made it just as far. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So those were two things that really helped. And then it was right after that happened that I worked on, um, a feature with someone from the DGA who is not currently in the union. He's about to get back into the union long story. But anyways, I was talking to him about my experience and he's like, you're like, the second worst possible applicant right now. What? And he said, you know, because in, in this time, the worst thing you could be is a white male <laughs> because mm-hmm. we're all, they're all about diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. And if you're that part of the majority, mm-hmm. you're not what any program is looking to try to add in <laughs> because they're trying to undo all of the imbalance of, you know, the last hundred years. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but he said, he's like, you're a white female and you're older. He's like, they're going to worry that you're not moldable. Hmm. That you, he's like, you're working in the industry. 
they're going to feel like he's like, they like to take people right out of college because they can mold them. Mm. They don't have their, their set way of doing things, their preconceived notions of how things are done. Um, so when he said that to me, that helped bring a lot of the questions and answers I'd given that I was concerned about Mm -hmm. into perspective. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't make me less hopeful about getting into the program. It didn't like bring me down, but it helped me really put it in perspective and be like, okay. Cause I was like, I, I'd gone to a bunch of people after it. And I said, these are the like three questions that I was asked and that I answered that I don't think the other applicants are being asked and that I'm concerned about. Mm-hmm. Um, that I'm like, am I giving really wrong answers? Is there a red flag here in my yeah. answers? Yeah. And everybody's like, no, that sounds fine. Um, but when he said that, it put it in perspective for me. Yeah. No. And I said, okay, that gives me a different way to think about it next year. Yeah, this just is kind of like, blow, not, I don't want to say blowing my mind, but the aspect of, they are looking for to those that maybe can be molded. That and you know what? Is, as like, someone who's that. done a yeah. lot of hiring, mm-hmm. as soon as he said that, I was like, oh my God, you're right. Mm-hmm. Because we totally look for that. When you're hiring we, people, we do, unfortunately, when yeah. you hire people, you definitely look for that, especially um, on entry level kind of positions. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're hiring a higher position, you're of course looking for the person who has that experience. When mm-hmm. you're hiring entry level, which is essentially what you are as a trainee in the program, it's yeah. entry level. You don't hire the person with tons of experience. You hire the person who is going to be able to be taught your way of how to do it mm-hmm. and not come in with their own ways of how to do it. Yeah, no, that's that's like kind of like the like like kind of like the teeter totter in a way, because yes, you want to be able to have an open mind in any position that you go to and be able to maybe adapt like those ways and things like that. But at the same time, telling yourself that telling to be like be molded and to be that, it, yeah, it, it makes me cringe a little bit. Well, it's like, but I mean, I've never even thought about that. Um, cause I know when I first, the first year I applied, they, um, you know, asked my experience and what I know why I wanted to be an AD and all that stuff. And, and the second year, I came back and I said, since that time, I've worked on this film, this film, this film, this film, and I've got to do these duties and got to do Mm -hmm. this and got to do this. And um, they were very impressed that I was showing that this was what I wanted to do more than Right, you're showing the initiative. Mm -hmm. But I guess with the the age that I'm coming in this a lot, like later, like one of the older applicants, that that experience doesn't necessarily show necessarily the go-getter attitude. It it may show that I will be set in my ways. Hmm. Yeah. um, Yeah. No, that's really, that's a really interesting point to bring up. Right. It is a a strange uh, balance, as you say, because um, yes, they want you to learn to do it the right way, but nobody wants to sit there and have to teach you. So they want people who will take initiative and look for what needs to be done. Right. And, and, and it's a balance. It really yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because um, I don't know. Did I tell you about the, Marty, the questions that they asked me? That was, okay, I think I was saving it for the podcast. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> so one of the, the one question specifically that really kind of irked me um, was they said, you know, looking at my resume, they're like, it doesn't look like you have, you know, any PA credits. They're mm-hmm. like, it's all, you know, AD credits. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. So I'm like, why would I PA if I can get hired as an AD? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't think I've PA'd since college. 
I PA'd one day since college Mm -hmm. and that was on SWAT. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, um, because that AD who was kind enough to um, give me feedback last year on the D- on the DGA, mm-hmm. that she um, she put me on their day player list, and so she called oh. me when they had a second unit um, shoot for a um, a car chase, mm-hmm. and so they needed like twenty additional PAs to lock up every driveway in this mm-hmm. business circle that they were doing the car chase in. So I'm like, yeah, why would why would I PA? I wonder if the yeah. concern was that working on only non-union shows, you weren't aware of how things might function on a union show. Yeah, I don't know, because that is something I bring up when they ask me, because I get, I've gotten asked both years, like, oh, well, if you're working this much, like, you know, why do you want to, you know, why do you want to do the training program? Wouldn't that be a step back? And I'm like, no, it's not a step back. Cause I'm going to be learning things that I can't learn on a non-union set, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm not getting that opportunity to learn. Cause in the indie world, it's very much of all hands on deck, help out wherever you're needed. Mm-hmm. Um, the job titles are much less strictly enforced, mm-hmm. like the, the lines between them, whereas on a union set, Anything having to do with the union has to be strictly enforced because of legal liability, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's something that I don't have the opportunity to learn working on non-union sets. On a lot of positions in film, you can get on a union set as non-union and because a lot of the unions only require you to get 30 days on a union set. So you could be on a shoot that flips or you could get brought in as someone's like third in the position Mm -hmm. and they could say, Hey, I couldn't find anybody else. Like I really want this person. And they'll agree to that one non-union person to fill that hole. Uh, an AD on a union set, they're never hiring a non-union AD. That's not happening. (laughs) And the problem is, is that productions don't flip as often as they used to from yeah. non-union to union. Yeah. Yeah. Because you used to be able to kind of do that, but they, I mean, if I wanted to be in commercials, commercials flip all the time. Mm-hmm. But I do not want to work in commercials. That's like, all right, I've said before, I don't want to work in reality. I've dipped my toe in and I hated it. Yeah. Um, commercials aren't as bad as reality, but it's a lot of the same personality types. <laughs> and I just don't need that in my life. I just I, don't need it. I can already, don't I can already see it. Don't tell them that in the interview because yeah. you deal with a lot of those personalities no matter what. Of course, doing. of course, you know, but it's, you know, it's one thing to have those handful of those personalities. It's another thing to have an entire crew of them. And like, oh, I will tell you, that reality shows draw a certain type of crew member. Hmm. That one reality show I did, I have never had so many problems with staff in my entire life. And it was a two-day shoot. It was only two days? The main production where everybody was on was only two days. Oh, boy. (laughs) Um, And, you know, and I've talked to other people that did reality for a while, and now they're back in narrative, and they're like, oh, reality scars your soul. They're like, I'm still healing from the two years I did in reality. This this is why I don't watch a lot of reality TV. I can just already sense it. You know, I've got my competition cooking shows, and then I have Below Deck Mediterranean, and that's it. (laughs) Yeah, no, my was mainly like what not to wear, um, say yes to the dress, judge me all you want, things like that, uh, like man versus food or Mythbusters. Well, when I was in college, I met the co-creator of Dirty Jobs, and um, he had thought that because it was documentary style that it wasn't going to be 
as bad as like regular Hollywood. And he's like, I was quickly disillusioned. And so he actually, he passed off the reins to, you know, his co-creator and he left the industry and he went back to school to become a nurse. Um, and I met him in the cafeteria because I was sitting with a couple other of my classmates and we were going over our homework for one of our classes. And he says, Oh, are you guys film students? And we just started talking. So, you know, it's not, not everyone's cut out for it. I'm cut out for film. I don't think I'm cut out for reality. No, I don't, I don't, I don't think so either. And commercials, I would never turn down commercials, but my goal is not to be on the, the CQL. Yeah, which like is the commercial be, qualifications yeah, exactly. list. Yeah, not be on repeat. Like, oh, do this, this, this. They're all oh, commercials back to back to back to back. Yeah, to back. yeah, because um, the kids that were on for hashtag anime, their mom yeah. does location managing for commercials. for commercials. Yeah, and so like, and her husband does it for TV, and I get to see that difference even just in their position. Oh wow! And I'm like, yeah, I don't want that. I don't want that's that chaos. Me. I prefer this chaos, not that chaos. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. So, what was your personal experience like? being in the DGA training program for you personally, Marty? Oh, for me, it was a dream come true. Did I mention I'm from Lynchburg, Virginia? Yeah, I yes. didn't know anybody out here. You know, I knew nothing about filmmaking. I mean, I had to finish up at UCLA Film School mm-hmm. in order to get my degree to apply for the program. But, nice. But even that was just, uh, you know, brought me in the middle of, of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um so for me, it was an absolute dream come true. They provided me with the 400 days I needed to join the Director's Guild. And um, I would be on a show about 50 days, and then they put me on another show. So I got to rotate through quite a few shows, features, TV movies, and television series. Oh. And um, because of the program, I never had to look for work. I had met so many people through that that I just started working, 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 and... That's and got moved up fairly quickly. Yeah. Um, but it was all because of the training program. I met so many people. Yeah. So that kind of answers the next question of the biggest benefits. Because as you said, you never had to keep on looking for work because you were meeting so many different people and just opportunities were. It's all about networking, Chelsea. It is. So maybe on more of a con side, are there any drawbacks from <laughs> the training program or from being in the DGA? Both. Both. How about both? Um, I mean, there's so many benefits, as you were already talking about. There's medical benefits, uh, you know, a union that backs you up. And and non-union shows can be notorious for not paying Oh, yeah. In the commercial world, it's even worse. That's another thing I'm witnessing. Oh, wow. That doesn't happen with DGA shows. They'll they'll make sure, if it looks questionable, they make sure the money's in the bank before you get started. So Mm -hmm. um, there's, and, you know, there's all kinds of benefits to being in the DGA. Like they have seminars and you know, you're constantly networking with these, these icons of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the downside I think of being in the DGA that I found, it was great for AD, but when I started directing, I lost some jobs Oh. Uh, where they were looking for a woman director or just a director. But they didn't want to do union didn't rates. Didn't do union rates. They wanted it to be a low-budget show, and that was kind of before. The DGA's gotten much better. They have low-budget contracts now. At that time, mm-hmm. they, right. I missed out on some opportunities to direct because I was DGA. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is probably the only con as far as being in the... I, I have to laugh, you know, at, yeah. going back to the training program. Yeah. When you're... Uh, a DGA trainee, I mean, at, for, I went to UCLA, everybody was going, oh my God, you got in a training program. And everybody <laughs> back home was going, oh my God, she's famous. 
<laughs> you get on the set and you're the, the pond scum of the set. Yeah, you're at the bottom right. of the barrel. And someone described it to me as like, you're a glorified PA. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so it was just funny. Like you're that, picking up trash. You know, I thought I'd reached the top and then you go, whoops, I'm guessing at the bottom of the totem pole. I remember, that was perfectly um, uh, symbolized one time on a set where they had the, the the high director's chair and it said director and mm-hmm. then they had like the lower director chair you know just that regular size director chair and somebody had put first assistant director and then they had an apple box which is just a, a plain box and somebody had written uh, second assistant director and then they put trainee and put put a piece of tape on the floor and that was my <laughs> In the real world, everybody thought, oh, wow. Right? The training program. No, it's it's interesting how you have that stigma, well, not stigma, but like when people hear, like, if those that are interested in the entertainment but aren't involved, or they're like, oh my God, you're doing all this, that sounds amazing. When it's just like, yeah, you don't see behind the curtain of like what's happening and what's really going on. Yeah, it's just like everybody who doesn't live in California, you know. When you move to wherever, they're like, "Oh, did you surf to school?" Yeah, right. No, <laughs> like no, no, that's like, not a thing. Did you run into Johnny Depp? I'm like, no, no. Now, what makes you think he's walking around? I do have to say though, you know, as glamorous as it sounds to everybody else, and that we know that that's not really the case. Yeah. Sometimes it's nice to play into that. No, it is. <laughs> like I will never forget, I was walking to the BART in San Francisco from my Shakespeare class. Mm-hmm. And I ran into someone from high school and he just yells, Amy Covell. And I'm like, <laughs> turn around, <laughs> say hi to him. And he's like, what are you doing now? And I was like, I'm producing movies. Cause I had just produced my second feature. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh my God, I can say that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can say I'm a movie producer now. Yep. I'm like, cause it had only been, it had been like two years before that would have been my 10 year reunion. They didn't end up having one that year. And I was like, Oh God, I don't want to go to this. And you know, Mm -hmm. and I was like, Oh no, I can. I sound glamorous. (laughs) I don't sound glamorous to my other friends who work in the industry, but, uh, they're like giving you the hairy eyebrow raise. Like seriously, (laughs) no, it, it is a little fun to play into that. I mean, I just recently finished the UCLA professional screenwriting program Second time, but I also was a TA for it this time around. So So you got paid to be there. I got paid to be there. But yeah, no, when I've told people that, they're like, oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, it does. But still, it's like, you know, the in-between jobs and all that fun stuff is like behind the curtain. But still, it's nice to kind of say that, yeah, hey, I write my own stuff. I edit my own stuff. I'm trying to kind of start my own business and things like that. Even mm-hmm. though it's, you know, takes inch, 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 inch to yeah. take off. <laughs> it does. I think exactly. it's all in how you frame it. And it's so important in L.A. is how you frame it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, I have a meeting at NBC tomorrow. It may go nowhere, but it sounds great to say I have a meeting at NBC. Exactly. <laughs> I, I was telling some neighbors that I had an interview that I went to, which went fine, but I don't think I'll be hearing from them. But the next day I ran into them and I was like, yeah, how did the interview go? I was like, yeah, no, it went great. They have like 250 applicants that they're you going through. So <laughs> so I probably won't be hearing from them for a while, but you know, it went well. And exactly. all you have to say in that conversation, throw away the negative. And yeah, I probably could have gone. a great interview. I probably could have thrown out the 250 <laughs> applicants, but I mean, at the time I was just like okay yeah because it was like not something I wanted to do but it was an opportunity if it happened if I hear anything back then great but if not it's fine looking for other stuff anyway so (laughs) so Marty you mentioned um that you've lost out on some directing jobs so 
can I take it that that is how your career goals have changed oh, over yeah. the years? Absolutely. When I was assistant directing, I was in awe of the directors. Like I say, I came from theater and from Lynchburg, Virginia. And mm. uh, I, so I, assistant directing was absolutely, I mean, a job that I just felt like I was meant to do. And then as years went on, I really kind of got the bug to start telling my own stories, my own way. You know, as an assistant director, you're supporting other people's visions. You know, it's, your whole job is to make everything come together so that all the director has to do is say action, basically. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. you've got to get all the elements together and get them ready. Yeah. And I, I worked with some directors who were great technically, but didn't know how to communicate with actors. The actors would be coming to me saying, did I do okay? Or I would work with directors, maybe some of them who used to be actors, and they knew very well how to communicate with actors, but they didn't know anything about how they just leave the, the choreographing of the scenes and mm-hmm. the staging of the shots to the cinematographer. And mm-hmm. I realized that at a certain point, I had a really great technical background from what from working with so many directors and DPs on the set and I had come from theater so I had the ability to talk to actors that when I got hired to direct my first feature everything just suddenly came together I you know and wow. plus I had a photography background because that's what I thought I was going to do as a career so right. it was the you know the technical background from working on the set for so many years and having worked with actors all my life and the photography, I went, oh my God, this, this is what I've meant to do. <laughs> and so, yeah, absolutely, it's changed and got my first DGA directing credit in 1997. Nice. Which was still kind of before they were doing too much hiring. They weren't really thinking women were minorities. You know, right. In, mm-hmm. the, in the film business. So I had a couple of interviews where literally, I'm not kidding, the producer said, yeah, we had a woman here last season. That didn't work out so well. <laughs> and all the men. <laughs> so I'm sorry. That irks just, me oh, well, a little bit. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, I'm not that woman. <laughs> but Not all women are the same. And it's changed like in the last couple of years. It's, yeah, you know, it's it really has. Everybody's going, oh, hmm. How, how few women are working? In, as, and at the time when I was an assistant director, there were, because of the training program, so many women were coming into the program and becoming seconds and moving up to first. And I thought, well, great, this progression, this ball's going to keep rolling. Mm-hmm. That snow's going to keep <laughs> that snowball going. And, and it kind of went screech. Yeah, no, I mean, like, there's definitely been some pullback, even though it is baby steps throughout the years I'm happy that people are now kind of wanting to be more progressive be more open-minded with not only you know gender but race and different ethical backgrounds and things like that like to be more open-minded of having other people for these positions and not stick with what you know and that kind of thing so I'm very happy about that so I recently redid my editing reel and so I made it, and that's my demo reel that's there right now, which is great. I've sent it to, like, friends and family for, like, let them know their thoughts, and they all loved it. One of my comments, my dad had said, um, too many white people. Mm. So, and I understood why he said that, because a lot of my work for the previous years has been, you know, with a lot of more Caucasian rather than 
more because, diverse and that kind of thing. Well, think about where you grew up. Yeah. That was what was around you. People write what they know. Yeah. I grew up in, uh, my background is that um, uh, I was born in St. Louis, Missouri, but from five to about 18, I grew up in Avon, Connecticut, which I would describe as a small, white, rich bubble is how I would describe that. So oh, it's, that, is a, that is an accurate yeah, description. So apologies if people take offense to that, but that's just kind of my perspective. So it was like everybody knew everything about everyone, even if it's like good or bad and things like that. So that's kind of what I grew up knowing. So it kind of probably shows a little bit in my work that I'm trying to work on expanding that with some of the other projects that we're doing and, you know, things like that. So... Yeah, but I could definitely see how, like, the progression, people are wanting to be more open-minded or they're vocalizing it more, even though it's still taking baby steps well, to get there. I think for the longest time, people hire people they know. Yeah. So, and for the longest time, that was men because those were that was who was directing. Exactly. And then when it comes Sometimes to the point of women being available, who has more experience? The man who's been directing 30 years or 20 years because and the people that they know, people hire people. Yeah, they know, they, people that is right. Very, so sometimes it's not about now. not wanting to hire that person of color or that female or um, someone who's gender nonconforming. It's about yeah. you gravitate towards the things that you are familiar with. Yeah, with someone that you actually have a connection with and things like that. With right. being yeah, because if it's someone that you just met, it can be a little hard. Sometimes if maybe you have walls or they have walls, you know, not trying to put that out there, but that, that can happen. You know, connection, connecting can be hard, even though that's something that we are genetically wired to do. So we just gravitate to those that we are closer to. Well, I mean, it's true even just in the way that people immigrate. Mm -hmm. So when people immigrate, they, this is why we have Chinatown, Koreatown. Little Armenia. Yeah. In most big cities, we have these pockets because people, when they immigrate, they're like, okay, do I want to live in this neighborhood where I don't know anybody? I don't speak the language. Nobody looks like me. Nobody understands my culture. Or do I want to go where there are people who understand my culture, speak my language, mm -hmm. and, um, and look like me? We go where we feel safe. It is... It's a survival mechanism. It is. And in sure. that is ingrained in us, you know, since the beginning of, you know, humanity. And it's just, that's how you survive. Yeah. And that's why the training program, the creation of the training program was so important because I don't know if you look back at the credits, but the directors were, and the assistant directors were the sons of the directors. Right. The directors were men. The assistant directors were sons of directors and yep. were friends of the family or whatever. And it was all male. And um, the training program came along to try to sh shift that and did a fantastic job. I mean, you look at, uh, on Nancy Drew, we had a woman producer, a woman production manager, a woman um, uh, director, a woman first AD, a woman second AD, a woman second second. And uh, all, all the PAs were women. And uh, you wouldn't have seen that. 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember I was working on a short last summer and one of, I think it was my first AD who maybe brought it up. She said, she said to the director, she said, you hire a lot of women. Good for you. Didn't even occur to him. Almost his entire crew was women. Mm -hmm. There was, I think the sound guy was a guy and then there was like one grip and two and one electrician who were men. Everybody else was female. All of the key positions were female. And for him, it didn't even occur to him. 
He just picked the person that he felt could do the job the best. And that's beautiful. Cause like for me, when I apply to things, I don't even think about the fact that I'm a woman. It doesn't occur to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a lot of people, you know, that does, you know, and that's why we're trying to get a more inclusive society in general. So that we are all comfortable around everybody. Yeah. And then we can look at it as dispassionately and just be picking the right person. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's, it's funny you should say that. I was on the board for four years of the Alliance of Women Directors and our whole goal was to try to make sure we wouldn't have to have an organization called Alliance of Women Directors. So that, mm-hmm. so that it was just directors, you know, <laughs> but right? But right now it, it, it's necessary to, for a community of women directors to band together to promote other women's work and, and yeah. look for opportunities for other women directors. Yeah. Question, what do you say are some of the challenges between uh, kind of, because you've done dabbled with the technically three AD positions, the first AD, second AD, and second, second AD. So what you say would be some challenges of either maybe switching between them or is one more challenging than the other or like personal preference? Oh, well, I have second <laughs> since 1989. So, <laughs> um, so we can put yeah, that out the window. <laughs> well, the challenges there were... Um, dealing with the, you know, the second 80s, usually getting the actors ready. And Mm -hmm. that has its own set of challenges sometimes depending Mm -hmm. on the actors. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. Um, I spent a lot of that horror movie chasing one of the actors. He would just wander off when he wasn't on set. (laughs) I was in that golf cart every 10 minutes looking for him. (laughs) His name wasn't... Oh, never Oh my goodness. Um, but as a first AD, you're on the hot seat the whole time. I mean, mm-hmm. as, a, as a second AD and a second second, an additional second, that's the other <laughs> other job that's... it's all So the, there's four. Yeah. <laughs> and you can have an additional... You can have as many of those additional seconds oh as you want. Oh God, no. Like I said, there was like 10 to 20 of them on that one episode of SWAT. Holy crap. <laughs> um, but as a first AD, you're totally on the hot seat. You are everybody's turning to you to make sure the set's running efficiently. Like I say, your job is to make sure that everything's ready so all the director has to do is say action. That's your goal. And that means figuring out how long a scene will take to light to call in the actors so that they're not sitting in, you know, getting done in makeup and having to sit for an hour. You want them ready the moment or two minutes before mm-hmm. they, um, the set is lit. So you've got to know how the crew works and how the lighting usually goes and mm-hmm. what, what this kind of scene you're doing and how much time you need to allow for that scene. Is it an emotional scene? Is there a lot of coverage or a lot of people? Is it moving through the whole, whole um, uh, police precinct so you've got to light the whole set? You know, mm-hmm. all those things you've got to figure out and you've got to do, set up a schedule during prep you're the one who decides what you're going to be shooting when in in prep, and you're the one who has to have all the safety meetings and the stunt meetings and the um, special effect meetings so and the art department meetings and the uh, costume meetings so that everybody is on the same page and knows. And you've got to be the one if suddenly you're, oh boy, Nancy Drew. Hello, back to Nancy Drew again. <laughs> we were shooting there in May and June. And it rained so much. And we would, sometimes we would get shut down because of a huge lightning storm. And I had to figure out 
how we were going to get the day's work done. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and if we couldn't, if we got shut down entirely and the set got flooded or, or it, it lightened for lightning, is that a word? Light. Um, you can it make was, it a word now. It, it's lightning <laughs> for uh, three hours. Where was I going to be able to, how, how could I figure out how to schedule the scene that was going to take place uh, that we were just about to shoot? Where mm -hmm. were we going to shoot that? How, when do I have those actors available? Because a lot of them were flying in. And it, it all turns on you. Everything depends on how you lead the set. And um, so, yeah, there's a little pressure there. Yeah. And, so, and as a second AD, you're there to support the first AD, but it's really about, okay, let hair and makeup know we're moving to this scene. Uh, you know, uh, let's, um, I, need, I need 14 background over here for the next scene mm -hmm. and uh, they need to be dressed like this. So the second AD is there to support whatever the first AD needs for the production to run efficiently. Yeah. I'm already getting flashbacks from when we did Faith and just reliving those moments of, oh, wait, hold on, now we got to switch. Wait, no, wait, hold on, got to do this. Like, what, what? Of the chaos that was happening and then, like... Yeah, and I, I wasn't even the first AD. No, you weren't. on that shoot because I was sitting back in the producer seat. And so yeah. I actually, I I can't just sit back in the producer seat on no, the set. You I got to be involved. So I was the makeup artist. You're the makeup artist. And you kind of sometimes were like a second AD a little bit in some situations. Yes. We did have a couple of first ADs like alternate between days because of their timing and schedules. But definitely Amy was there to pick up the pieces and be like, oh, we're doing this. And I remember we had a big fight of like the very first time we were shooting. It was like, we were shooting this way. No, but what about this way? Wait, no, hold on, I get it. And then it led to this argument that eventually the first day was like, About okay. crossing the line? About about crossing the line and kind of like positioning, kind of like the shooting overhead because it was an overhead balcony sequence and we wanted to try and film with the face on, but it's just, it wasn't going to work because of it would have, it just wasn't making. So I was trying to suggest something and it wasn't getting through. And so the first AD, Allison, she's amazing. She was like, okay, calm down, Chelsea. I'm going to take you up there so that I can see for myself what you're talking about. And so I explained it to her and then she was able to take it down to Amy so that she would understand what I was trying to say at the time. Cause I was just so stressed out cause it was the first day of shooting. <laughs> I, I used to laugh that as a, as an AD, um, 95% uh, of my job was um, making sure everybody else got along and communicated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 5% of my job was uh, communicating to my team. To, and the other 5% was wondering if my radio was broken because nobody was answering me. <laughs> yep. But, but I will say, uh, you reminded me of a story somebody um, once said, oh my gosh, as an AD, you have to do like four things at once. And I just burst out laughing. I said, it would be a paid vacation if I only had to do four things at once. Right. It's a lot more right. than that. Because think about how many departments they are. Yeah. And you are timing and communicating with all of those departments. And you're thinking ahead and you're thinking, you know, you're, you're right. always, mm -hmm. uh, uh, do we have the actors coming in soon enough for this next scene? Mm -hmm. wow. Push somebody off. This is, uh, you know, how's, it, it, there's so many things. Uh, I wonder if the prop guy has the help, football helmet that we need for the next, you know, your brain is like, trying to think of through every single department. Yeah, it's like right. you're the linguist for that set. Of you're trying to speak director, you're trying to speak costume, you're trying to speak makeup artist, actor, camera, mm -hmm. food, across in service. You're trying to speak all these different languages so and make it the somebody, same. Somebody will come up and say, uh, when do you think you'll be out of the scene? And you have to think, who's asking me that? Okay, it's the costumer. Okay, you've got, you've got 20 minutes before we need that dress ironed. 
Mm -hmm. Or if it's the prop person, you say, uh, don't worry, we won't be shooting the food until after lunch. I mean, you have to think. It's not right. just a question. Yeah. How are you gonna no. be it's not a straight it's, answer. It's no, definitely. Yeah, you just are speaking multiple languages on yeah. set. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> do what have, do you like the most about being an AD? You know, the, the job is, was kind of perfect for me because I loved working on things I, I loved science and math when I was in school, and I loved working on a problem and figuring it out, you know, just like huddling into my room and, and really working on something and trying to figure out the answer. But I also love working with people, so it's kind of perfect because as an AD, you have to figure out the best schedule, the, the ideal schedule given the circumstances that you have, and then you have to you can't do your film alone. So it's all about working with other people and creating a team that wants to work together, having a good atmosphere on the set so everybody is a happy camper and helping other people communicate. A lot of times you're just the go-between, mm -hmm. um, just mm -hmm. making sure other people... So I love the, I love the problem solving on my own and I also love um, uh, just working with a family of fellow filmmakers. Yeah, I love... I, I really do love collaboration. That's yeah. one of my, that's become one of my favorite things when working on projects. Cause I used to be, oh, solo, like I can do all this and that kind of thing. But then after one project that didn't end up well, I realized collaboration really was a big important key to make something fantastic, so. I've always said you can get just as much work done or just as little work done. Having a good time is not, might as well have a good time. Exactly. I, I think sense of humor as an AD is so important. Um, Absolutely. Hello, Amy. Sense of humor right over there. <laughs> I mean, if, if you know what you're doing, if you, if people, if the crew feels like you know what you're doing and you're, they like you, oh my gosh, they will do anything for you. Yeah. And they just want to know what to do, but they don't want to work with a jerk. You know, if you, if you're a, a nice person and have a good sense of humor and keep them informed, then the communication comes back to you too. it does it okay. does check 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 amy you're hired oh. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. that was easy right <laughs> so we've talked about a lot of your experiences on set do you have any favorite memories i do you know when you set, sent me this question the very first thing that popped into my head was on steel magnolias while they would be lighting the set Dolly Parton would bring her guitar in and just sit near the set and play guitar and sing. Aww. That's Man, awesome. That, wasn't a that sounds amazing. How many times does that ever happen? Maybe never. Um, so that was like the first thing that came to my brain. I uh, also love doing location features. I've been all over the country doing location features. You know, I don't even know how many states. And it's so much fun because you're going somewhere that's really photogenic. That's why the location was picked. And you get to, it, and I think it came comes closest to being that theater experience I had growing up. Well, that experience you have when you're performing in front of a live audience, it's like that rush. You never get that well, any other I way. I've been thinking that so much as, as uh, in a theater, you're working with the same actors and the director, you're, you're forming a production together. You're kind of a yeah. team that then has a, a, a common goal. And the same thing happens on a location feature where 
because you nobody's going home, home at the end of the night. Home, so, so you're together. And you're and it becomes this family, which is so much fun. So I've had a great time doing location features. Um, the best memories are when everything goes absolutely right and everybody's getting along and having a great time. And that happens, you know, uh, not all the time. I've mm -hmm. been on features, where, but sometimes when it happens and you're you're getting the work done on time and everybody's happy. Oh man, it's just the best. It's just the best. It's so funny because for me, some of my favorite memories are actually some of the worst horror stories. Oh, and I think it's more of just like, you will not believe how much that could go wrong, did go wrong, and we still made it out the other side. So yeah. then it becomes so a good memory. After, yeah. The memory part. Yeah. After, you know, yeah. and I think I thrive on chaos a little bit. Yeah, no, I have a few that are popping in my mind already from stuff that we've worked together. <laughs> I'm sure. Yes. Two, two yes. of my really favorite memories, and um, I don't, do y'all know who Walter Matthau is? Yes. Thank mm. you, because I said it to somebody else, and they said, who's that? I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> but Walter Matthau told me I was the best AD he had ever worked with. That warmed my heart. And George C. Scott was on the set of Inherit the Wind when and he was in the film. But he was just hanging out on the set. And he saw me working with the extras. And I was... we. In the audience, they have to have a... I, I wanted to make sure they had a point of view, whether they were for the case or against the case. Right. And, and really got them thinking it through. And as we, uh, after I talked to the extras, I was walking away, and George stopped me and said, you're going to be a good director. And I just... Mm. I, I swear, I bent down and kissed his hand. <laughs> coming from him. Oh, my God, that meant so much. So what what are some of your horror stories? Oh, Anytime you good. work with people who are... Just, it just, there's some miserable people in the world. There really are. And uh, it's, and they seem kind of, I guess, to make themselves feel better, they want everybody else to be miserable around them. Oh, yes. And those, are, those are just not fun experiences. I'm sorry, I've had people that have done that exact same thing yeah. in my life, both personal mm -hmm. and in work. Yeah, so sure. I understand. 150 percent. Those are just, um, and, and then oh there are sometimes when you're just up against impossible circumstances. Oh, what you mean? I can't shoot 147 scenes in eight days. That, that's a good one. <laughs> oh, I remember when we were doing Let Go. Uh, we only shot for technically two days a weekend, and it was a 20-page script. And people are like, "What? You can't do that." Well, I guess you can. Yeah, you can. You can. You can. It's gonna you, be stressful, but for you an can. indie for an indie shoot that takes place in one location, you can totally do ten pages a day. Oh, we we need we needed yeah right. <laughs> the last day of that shoot I just mentioned, yeah. we had thirty seven and three eighths pages left to shoot. Hmm. <laughs> we'll see how it looks when they're done editing it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I was on a show where uh, we we were shooting in this heart. It was supposed to be a summer scene. And we were shooting next to this lake, and it was the middle of winter in the northern in northern U.S. Mm -hmm. And um, everybody was so cold. It, I think it was uh, it was 27 degrees, and the wind was oh wind chill. Lake. It was just mm -hmm. so. And we had this little child, and he was crying. He was so miserable. Aww. And the actress did not want to come out of her trailer. Oh, and we got there first thing in the morning, and we had told the. Um, transportation department where to park and they 
uh, hadn't parked there at all. They had parked right in the middle of our shop. So we, wow. had, to, we had to figure out, okay, all right, we can't shoot that way now. We have to shoot it this way. And we were on a pier, so you know we were scrambling. And then um, the, we were just about to move to the next scene, and the key grip comes running up saying, I, I'm really sorry, I forgot to order the crane today. Well, don't worry, we're working on scaffolding and it should be ready in half an hour. It was ready in two hours. And then when they put the camera up, they mounted it wrong, so we had to take it all down. Oh, and uh, oh, they had Wow. And then, I mean, it was just one thing after another that whole day and there was no way we could get the day's work done. It was excruciating. And, oh, wow. uh, you know, you just felt like, how many more things could go wrong? Right. And and there was no climbing out of the pit. It, it was really bad. Some days on Saturday. Miserable. Yeah, some days on Saturday are like that. And so you just have to evaluate, like, okay, what can I realistically make happen? Yeah. And just, you know, laugh off all the other stuff that keeps yeah, coming down the pipeline. If you had to do this all over again, would there be anything that you would do differently? A couple things. When I was going to UCLA f- film school, mm-hmm. I was also, <laughs> I'm not kidding, I was working full-time <laughs> as um, a singing telegram te- uh, messenger. Oh, yeah. that's cute. Yeah. But that was paying my way through film school. So mm-hmm. I didn't have time to intern. And I wish I had because it would have been, I went for a few years after college. I didn't get into the training program and then they, they had the strike and all that right. stuff. So there were a few years where, and I didn't know if I was going to get in. The odds right. were so against me, you know. But I wish I had interned at some companies because um, that is a great way to meet people and meet other people, you know, get referred by right. a reasonable. Mm-hmm. And I wish I'd done that. That would have been a really good idea. Um, in terms of directing, as I say, out of the training program, I never had to look for work. I was turning down 10 jobs for every one I took. But I wish I uh, had asked for help. Um, I wish I had really pushed for directing more. I was thinking, because as an AD, people just, I just waited for the phone to ring and I thought it would be like that, that for directing and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So I guess for the last few questions, um, for general, what advice would you give to people who want to be an AD? That's the first part. And the second part is, is there any specific advice you would give to Amy? <laughs> uh, well, advice for people who want to be ADs definitely apply to the program because, holy cow, it's fantastic if you get in. Um, and I, I always tell people to just work on, I, I mean, you been doing this just work as an ad get your days that way because that's the other way you know which means working on non-union projects and building up your days but um going after non-union ad days on non-union films because that's those will get you into the guild eventually and you're making contacts but i tell you work for free if you want to if i figure out the people you want to work with it's always great to like if you have favorite directors, try to figure out if you want if you volunteer to work on their film for free just to get them to know you. Um, the more people you know, the more the wider your circle spreads. And mm-hmm. I also recommend um, I had learned this from um, 
a seminar I took is to make your map of relationships, figure out all the people you know, write, write it down, make, make a chart, all the people you know, all the people you work with, people that they know, and call them. I mean, I know when I was hiring um, production assistants, I would get 200 resumes for a show. And if somebody had just happened to call me and just was checking in, a lot of times they'd be on the top of my brain and I'd hire them. I mean, I've got a show coming up. Stay in touch with people. If you've worked on a show, just periodically call them. Say, hey, just checking in. Um, I just worked on a really fun show. Don't always be calling for work. Just, But, uh, you know, hey, I just wanted to say, hey, I really enjoyed working with you. What's going on with you? Mm-hmm. Just staying in touch because because I swear, um, um, a week after I finish a show, I've already forgotten who I worked with. So if somebody's staying in touch with me, mm-hmm. they have a better chance of getting a job. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Um, so, and as far as Amy, mm-hmm. um, you're doing it, networking. Uh, it sounds like you're the network queen. That's always good. Yes, she is. Asking ADs for advice and staying in their you know, making those phone calls and just uh, staying in touch with people you've worked with before and saying, uh, and figuring out who they know. Yeah. If they're, if they, if you see a show that you really want to work on, find out who the first AD is or the UPM, see if, if any of your friends have worked with those people. Play six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yep. You got it. And, uh, uh, and keep a list. Yeah. Like I say, oh, and, and, it never hurts to ask for advice because people like to give advice. Don't ask for favors. Ask for advice. I really want to get on this show. Do you have any advice for how I get there? Not, would you hire me? Right. Because um, nobody likes to be put on the spot, but they love to have their advice asked. And, and oh, and ah, love the job. And if you said you've been firsting a lot. Yeah. If you take a second AD job, love that second AD job. I was directing a project. And there was a guy who really, really wanted to be my first AD, but he didn't really have enough experience. And I had somebody I wanted to be the first, and I said, I'd love for you to be the second AD. And he ended up taking the job, and he just didn't do a good job because he wanted to be the first AD. He would have been a horrible first. He thought being a first AD was just standing on the set going, okay, action, oh. or rolling, or, you know. And right. Whatever. Um, and so he did a horrible job as a second AD. He didn't do the call sheets. He just didn't do them. Just didn't do them. And, um, you know, I could never, we could never find him. And the first AD had to do all his job. Now, that was really stupid because if he wanted to work as a first, I could have introduced him to a lot of people. I will never introduce him to anybody. He will never get a job out of me. So whatever job you're on, don't think you're, don't, Im- let anybody think that you're above it. You're there to do the best job that you can do for that mm-hmm. job as a second. And then people will recognize your talent and go, you should be first in this. Hey, what are you doing? I just did that on Nancy Drew. The, the second, uh, second was great. And I took her with me on a job and I let her first for me. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, especially seconding, it's not... You know, it's it's tough work with little reward, mm-hmm. and you've got to just throw yourself into it. Um, I don't mind seconding because a lot of it is very related to what I do as a line producer because mm-hmm. it's a lot of paperwork, um, and that's fine with me. Um, <laughs> so I slide into that just fine. Well, you might also, it sounds like you've been doing a lot of firsting and a lot of the paperwork. 
get on a job where you get to set the background too, because people yeah, because that's that. the one thing that I haven't had to do a whole lot of. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. it's good to have that background because people get hired because of their uh, their ability skills. to do that. Yeah, I used to get hired because of my background. People really liked it. <laughs> background setting is what I not just because of my background. yeah background <laughs> is what I need to work on and then the other thing I need to work on is I think some of the safety stuff because mm-hmm. that you know I'm getting better with it with every shoot mm-hmm. but for me that feels like it's kind of a weird thing that was just tacked on to first 80s yeah they had to blame somebody exactly Exactly. And you don't have enough responsibility. <laughs> right? There's always somebody to blame. Like, I can do the safety meeting because that's, like, scheduled and at a certain time. But it's like, if I'm supposed to be watching for everybody's safety, then that's taking me away from all the other things I'm also keeping track of in my head. And, you know, and so sometimes it's a little harder to do that. Sure, yeah. Well, you know what? You look at the day's work and go, what? well, I try to do that when I'm scheduling the show in prep and go, okay, I, I would I make notes like okay on this day we're using a crane we're shooting uh, beside the streets so we've got to have traffic control but mm-hmm. warn people about we're shooting in a neighborhood so we have to make sure we have you know I just kind of look at the day's work and figure out what safety concerns would come up on that day because the day of it's a lot to uh, yeah to think about. and then you can kind of delegate that to you know your your. Um, your other ADs and your PAs, that way you have someone who's got your back on those safety concerns. Well, that was an overwhelming but awesome amount of information. (laughs) Thank you so much, Marty. Well, certainly. All right, so shall we move on to our next section, which is hashtag hunt? Hashtag hunt. Hashtag hunt. All right, so since we did career milestone last time, we had to go with the hashtag assistant director. And I will be honest, a lot of them were just postings for needing an assistant director. Uh, really? Why didn't you forward them to me? <laughs> well, it's like, this wait. Is well, to know okay, okay. Well, let me clarify. It was kind of like postings of like ways to be an assistant director. Like maybe. Oh, yeah. Like, articles so like, and ha- stuff. Articles and stuff. Yeah. So uh, it was a little hard. I found a couple that were like, you know, cute and kind of fun. There may be even some fun pictures that maybe can show later. But uh, yeah. So we'll just dive in. So, my dad's movie came out today. I'm so proud of you, Daddy. Hashtag Divergent. Hashtag Assistant Director. So, her father got to work on the Divergent movie. So, I thought that was really sweet and cute. I was like, wait, is this actually serious? And I clicked on it because, like, oh, oh, they, he actually did work on it. Okay. <laughs> good for you. Fantastic. You're not just claiming this. Okay. Good for you. Hashtag wrapped my first feature film as hashtag first. Hashtag Assistant Director. Hashtag First AD. Filled with overwhelming hashtag gratitude. <laughs> <laughs> you so many hashtags in that one particular. Oh, that's but, funny. Yeah, that's very funny. But that's still awesome because it, there's nothing kind of like your first film that you wrap on. You're like, oh my god, I yeah. can't believe that I did. On my that. first feature, I was brought on as a script supervisor mm-hmm. um, by a producer who I had worked with on a short. And he didn't end up staying on. He was more of like a consulting producer for the feature. Mm -hmm. He's kind of like helped him crew up and get set up. And I was brought on as the script suit. By the end of day two, I was the second AD. 
by the end of week two, I was the first AD and one of the producers. Oh wow. Building up, going up that ladder. It, that, it was a crazy experience. Crazy. <laughs> that's a really good advantage. I mean, that's one of the major advantages of working on non-union. Right. Mm-hmm. It's that flexibility, yeah, exactly. you know? And the thing is, it's like when you show people that you're willing to not only step up to the plate, but take control of things that are not being handled... Um, it's invaluable. Uh, Never had so many people compliment on how much of a joy it is to work with me professionally and personally. Hashtag actor, hashtag filmmaker, hashtag assistant director. This is just to be applied to Amy. (laughs) Because you've had this, there's actually a funny story of there's an AD that we've worked, both of us have worked together, and there's one day that she had to basically he I don't know if he asked her or she basically had to take over his position for one day. And right. What was it that the entire casting oh my crew God. said? So to he you? had just AD'd on something I produced because I try not to AD the things I produce as much as possible. And so I'd had him AD for me. And he'd always been like, there's too many shots. And I'm like, it's gonna be fine, trust me. The way that the the DP wants to shoot it, this will be fine. Um, and he was like, it's, it was so tough, so much to get done. And then the next, it was like two weeks later, he asked me to fill in for him and it was on a documentary and it was on the reenactments and it was the first day of the reenactments and it was also their biggest day. They were shooting the most scenes, the most talent and all the miners were on set. It went amazing. And his crew the whole time were just like, oh my God, you're not going to be here with us tomorrow? I was like, no, I'm just here for today. I'm just filling in for Adam. And they're like, well, we want you the whole shoot. <laughs> and, and then at the end of the day, we, we wrapped early <laughs> on their biggest day. <laughs> and then I was like, you make sure to tell Adam that. <laughs> Hi, Adam. Hope you're listening. Because his producer had said when he said, oh, I'm, I called Amy. She's going to fill in for me. He's like, you realize you gave her the toughest day out of the entire shoot. He's like, <laughs> dude, what's wrong with you? He's like, oh, I don't feel bad. She made me do like 46 setups in a day. <laughs> and then I still showed him up. Yes. <laughs> I had a job as a second AD on a TV show. and I, I, Actually, I was just called in for the day to replace somebody mm-hmm. who was sick. And the person, uh, person who had called me, who was sick, said, can you cover for me? So she was a friend of mine, and I went in, and they started saying, well, we'd like you to replace her. And I said, I can't do that. <laughs> right? I never told her that, but, oh, my, I'm sure they probably replaced her. But Right? Like, I can't take the rest of Adam's days. I'm like, but yeah. you can totally rub in his face that we wrapped early on my day. <laughs> yeah, that was just amazing. <laughs> and now I'm that producer's go-to first when he's in town. Exactly. <laughs> um, another day of motion capture with these crazy kids. Hashtag assistant director, hashtag first AD. So it's an Instagram post. It's black and white, which we'll have to show later, but it's uh, people in motion capture. Oh, nice. So I feel like I recognize one of the guys at the top. I don't know his name though, but I wonder what the difference between film and then motion capture for in terms of like directing and ADing and all that fun stuff. Cause that's directing is an extra challenge for sure, because you've really got to get those actors to that place where they're reacting to things mm-hmm. that aren't there. They're, you know, they're in a body where they can't even really utilize their costume, mm-hmm. um, to create their character and to feel in their 
place. So I would say it's more complicated for a director. Yeah. But for ADing, you would say it'd be around the same? Yeah. Easy peasy. <laughs> Easy because you have way less like things to worry that, about. Okay. That, that's true. As yeah. long as the DP says the shot will work in post, that's all that matters. Yeah. No, I, I should have known that the two experts here would be able to be like, yeah, no, this is easy. But yeah, no, motion capture has also been something that I've always like been intrigued of. Obviously, I've not, I don't know if I would be involved in it, but it's like it's still very intriguing mm-hmm. because it's definitely become part of the entertainment industry sure more these days. So this was um, worth a read for aspiring first AD, uh, hashtag filmmakers, at IndieWire, hashtag filmmaking, hashtag assistant director. And it was a link to 13 things you can do to be a better first AD at IndieWire. On IndieWire? I've probably read it. Yeah. I I imagine you probably have. I probably have because I read IndieWire. Yeah, exactly. So that's a a link that you can look for. Maybe we'll be able to post that that on our social media at Pod on on Facebook. Instagram and Twitter. And Twitter. <laughs> we're working on that. We're getting better. We're getting better. This was just cute. Years from now, I hope we're all still doing what we love. Hashtag broadcasting students. Hashtag film production. Hashtag assistant direction. And it's just a collage of people working on their feature. And uh, it was just, it's cute. It reminds me of my broadcast journalism days from in uh, senior year of high school. So it's just, it's adorable. <laughs> Hashtag director Susanna and our first hashtag assistant director Snoopy discussing the shot. And Snoopy. Oh, <laughs> what a good first AD. He's such a good boy. Getting the right shot. <laughs> I like how you pet your tablet. <laughs> right? So yeah, that's all for hashtag hunt. So then I guess the next portion is challenges so for this one i think it's going to be more towards amy so marty is there a challenge that you would like to give amy to do amy, regarding i want you to make your map of relationships Ooh. Have all the people you've worked with all the people you know and expand it out you know maybe you know people who know people or you kind of know people and uh, just draw out a chart and uh See where that takes you and start making those phone calls. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was already sitting here thinking about a director that um, had talked about, you know, I'd worked with him on a pilot and he's like, oh, I think I'm going to bring you on for future features. And I'm like, God, I haven't heard from him. I'm like, nor have I seen the pilot come out. I'm like, I could at least reach out and say, mm-hmm. hey, how is Lessons in Love? Has it gotten picked up? You know, how are you and your wife? Yeah, I, I will also admit that when she first, when you first said that earlier, that was one of the first things I wrote down on my tablet for me personally, because I have like, I have connections and things like that. But I think my thing is that I always fear that, you know, you don't want to be in overstep right. if that makes any sense you don't want to bother them but at the same time because they're busy you, you can didn't. always say i just enjoyed so much working with you and mm-hmm. i just wanted to say hi I, i'm doing this crazy podcast series and, and, <laughs> it can be crazy sometimes and yeah that's the other thing you've always got the opportunity to say we i i think you would be great on our podcast and mm-hmm. yeah great way to we yeah. we had a discussion i we went to a screening a couple weeks ago with um a filmmaker who's also a podcaster who is like the he's on my favorite podcast to listen to mm-hmm. and we went and saw his first feature yes. and um mm-hmm. definitely talked about it and like in hopes of bringing him on to the show in the yeah. future. Yeah. It's just a great way to keep the relationship going. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. So, Amy, that's your challenge. 
Mm-hmm. And I'll probably take that challenge on myself because I, yes, I need to work on that. You should, Chelsea. I think so. <laughs> the best part is just when you start. We should look and see how our that. circles overlap. Oh. And you won't even nice. realize how many people you know. You'll start writing and you'll go, oh, wait. Oh, yeah. I know, right? It becomes such a small world yeah, when you yeah. start right? diving into it. Well, just last night at the dinner party, um, mm-hmm. Carlos was talking about how you're going to edit his reel. Mm-hmm. And Leota, who's also been on the podcast for hashtag can't get a date. She was like, wait, Chelsea edits. Amy, why didn't you tell me Chelsea I edits? I thought Leota knew that. I thought so too. <laughs> Apparently she doesn't. But then she lost interest when she heard that Carlos was paying you. <laughs> I'm sorry, Leota. I think she thinks that she's a step closer in a friendship that she can get it for free. <laughs> no, I know. Leota. Because I, I do it for her for free. Yeah, Leota, I love you, darling. It's great. But I have to be honest, money's tight right now. I have to start making some stuff so I have to draw some lines somewhere I am sorry but feel free to reach out to me for any business purposes that you have right (laughs) reach out to us at lifegoalspod at gmail.com yes we could definitely we have our own email now too yes we do so if you want to enter our sphere of influence (laughs) and become part of this map of relationships email us at lifegoalspod at gmail.com let's start networking Yes, let's network everybody. (laughs) Well, thank you again, Marty, so much for coming on today. I really appreciate you coming to share your info. Thank you. I just wanted to add one thing for anybody who is interested in becoming an AD. Mm -hmm. There's uh, a website. I thought you'd just go to DGA.org and you can can figure out how to become a member, but it's DGACA. Like, um, like California, California, like mm-hmm. org, And that tells you all the requirements that you need, uh, to put in your paperwork to join the DGA. Awesome. All righty. Well, Amy, that will definitely be in part of your, um, research. Well, I think she's already done. <laughs> oh, I've been there. Okay. She's never done mind it. <laughs> I'm on, I'm on there like every two months yeah. when I start thinking about building my book. Yeah. Um, uh, so. Book. Oh, okay. And, yeah. And, and I'm sure you know, that, um, if, for any of you out there listening, um, mm. to join the DGA, if you worked as an assistant director and you're trying to collect your days and you want to join the director's guild, keep every call sheet, every production report, every crew sheet, Every uh, pay stub, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. every deal memo, because you have to turn in every single one of those. That's how you count your days. Basically, every day on set, I've got like a stack of paperwork that goes along with that day. Mm-hmm. Um, I was lucky enough that another AD um, sat me down and went through my book and it was showed me what stuff I need to fix. Or so he's like, they're not going to yeah. accept this. Like, get rid of that. You know, he's like, you should find this for that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because it's a huge process. So I am on that website probably every two months when I'm sitting down to do work on my book to like review mm-hmm. some of the stuff again. She'll <laughs> be in the DGA. I'll be seeing you at the meetings. Ah, yes. Positive affirmation all around. <laughs> all right, guys. Okay. Well, that's all for today. I'm Amy Covell. And I'm Chelsea Wingo. And this has been Hashtag, Hashtag Life Goals. Goals. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye.